0: The Matt Marnie Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to episode 107 of the Matt Marnie Podcast. In today's episode, I speak to Marianne Tafani. Marianne is a Pilates instructor, women's health advocate based here in Dubai. And after experiencing a traumatic first birth, which resulted in pretty serious injury, Marianne took it upon herself to re-educate and Find solutions. She now runs a company called Core Connect here in Dubai, which provides pre and postnatal courses and has helped thousands of women. So, if you are wondering what you should do, or if you are a husband or boyfriend, wondering what steps your partner should take after birth in terms of rehab and when it's safe to go back to exercise, this is a conversation. Marianne, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm all right, Matt.
2: A little nervous, but
1: all right. Well, it's Friday afternoon, um, and I normally kick off, actually, by just saying, like, what you've been up to. What's your day been like? I haven't asked you yet, have I? So what's Marianne been up to on this Friday?
2: Okay, so... Friday is supposed to be my off, which when you're an entrepreneur means that you catch up with admin, you send a lot of messages, you read all the research you were, you meant to catch up with, uh, but I've also been to yoga this morning because my teacher is in town. She moved to Spain last year and she was here this morning, so it was beautiful flow and a little bit of wow. sunshine, which has been nice, yes.
1: Amazing, amazing. And obviously, you're here on this podcast with me and I'm super yeah. excited Super excited to have a chat me about this too. because I think it's relevant for men as well as women, and we'll we'll discuss oh, that absolutely. Um, so actually, before we kick off, why don't you just introduce introduce yourself to the listeners? Just tell them about a bit your background and what you do in this world, Mary.
2: What well, I do in this world? I think you were saying yourself earlier that um, you don't call yourself a Pilates instructor. So if I'm at a party, I'll say I teach Pilates if people ask me what I do, but. If I speak to you on this podcast, I'll probably go a bit more in depth and say that I like to educate people and I'm a movement therapist. I believe in the power of movement to heal and prevent injuries. So yeah, that's what I do. I've come to specialize in women's health issues over the years. I think mostly because of my, my own story. Um, I think we all do that. Right. We, we dive into some practices because we didn't find solutions elsewhere and we want to create them for people around us so yeah that's that's what I do
1: well actually that was that was actually my first question is really where did the motivation come from because I'd done a little digging and I looked at your website and I a little chat to people and like it says that you've worked with 750 expectant mothers you've taught this is interesting in Dubai, 60 postnatal courses at different venues that number might have gone yes. up but you've done a lot of work in this area um and that's what i was going to ask my first question was like whenever i work with someone who's super passionate about something there's always a story behind it so yeah what's your motivation for you know taking this stuff so seriously and diving in and helping so many people
2: well um when it comes to women's health it's mostly because i had a very challenging first birth with with my first um, there were obstetrical violences involved. It was not fun and it was really hard to recover from. And sadly, the a lot of medical professionals were not helpful at all and were not themselves quite as educated as they could have been. Um, so it took me a long time to a, figure out what was wrong with me, well, how many injuries I had sustained. I sustained four injuries to my pelvis um, wow. uh, for Adam's birth and and that's just the physical aspect of it it was it was quite challenging emotionally of course but i i thought to myself i had so much anger for so many years and it's not there anymore but the passion is still there you know it's just i don't want anyone to go through this so i'll prepare my prenatal clients so they don't go through this and if women sadly go through something similar then i'm there to speed it up for them to speed up the recovery for them so I think, yeah, I think that's my motivation. That's why I run birth prep workshops. That's why I train people a certain way during pregnancy. And it's not just, oh, let's push. And it's not just fitness, you know, it's
0: yeah, anticipating
2: yeah. a few steps ahead. So mm. it's all longevity oriented in, mm. in my mind. It's, I don't, I, sometimes I laugh and say, you know, I just, I don't care if you don't believe me. I just don't want you to shit yourself in 20 years. And I know that's a bit of a, of a, no, I love person. that. I love that.
1: No, no, it's this the reality. That's true. Yes. No, I know. I, I love that. And that's true. I know. I know. I I remind people while they're doing single leg work on a reformer, bone density, yeah. I talk about longevity. And you could also say that. It's quite a powerful statement. You don't want to it shit is, yourself you, in 20 years' time. And you and and, know, and men, it, and men also, men also. I think men also we, men just, also we shit ourselves being, as well. <laughs>
2: You do for different so, reasons, so we do have oh, yeah. that aggravating factor. That also, men, birth, men at brunches,
1: um... messy brunches. I've known it happen not to me personally, but I've heard of stories. Anyway, sorry, I went. that was a bit inappropriate. Let's go back to where we were, shitting ourselves.
2: Yeah, no, but you see, it sparked a conversation. So when yeah. I have someone who's ser- who's not taking me seriously, mm. you know, who's just looking at me like, "Oh, poor thing, she had a traumatic birth," mm. and I just that's how I I. I I say it back. I'm just like, Oh, you, you think you're fine, but a bit of humidity can't yeah. hurt here because you do not know where you're headed. <laughs> and no, this, no, we I only thought. know as women at menopause, really, we know the extent of, of the damage done by, by birth at menopause when everything changes, um, in the quality of our muscles and connective tissues. So it's worth preventing if we can.
1: Mm, incredible. And menopause. now when you had the, the traumatic experience first birth did you say Adam um, it was your first birth were you uh, yeah, did you become a Pilates right. did you become a Pilates teacher after that
2: oh no so I I became a Pilates teacher before um, ah. And the rationale behind it was very similar. Uh, my first injury I sustained when I was nine years old. I was a gymnast, a rhythmic gymnast. So they, they used to sit on us um, for fun for, because they, they would tell you, you're not going low enough. You know, so you'd be between two chairs or benches and they'd be like, you're not going low enough. So it was quite an abusive environment, but I loved rhythmic gymnastics. Um, and so I was nine when I had my first adductor tear and that set um you know back then we didn't have good physios i lived in a small town we were very competitive but we didn't have the support network and and um and when i reached 18 i started having chronic injuries and by the time i was 22 i couldn't do half of the things i like to do i certainly couldn't dance i could so that's how i got into pilates i was a student in london and i went to gym i signed up the gym and pilates felt so good it was slow but i could feel it and i was not hurting my body and i felt in control um and i felt for the first time i was like oh i'm i'm gonna get over this i'm gonna walk and run again and and so and i had seen all the doctors you can possibly see and you know I, particularly back then if it was not not a life or death problem I didn't really know what to do with you and here in dubai we're well, lucky we have really good physiotherapists if we yeah. if we're connected um yes. but if you're not connected and you're in a small town in the south of france and you don't have extensive means you don't really know where to go next you know my mom did her best she sent me to specialists in marseille and but everyone was like oh we don't know uh, and now i know but back then yeah no one could help so that's how i got into pilates and that's that's I just wanted to speed it up again for people. You know, if they wow. had an injury, I wanted them to be taken seriously. And if it was chronic, I wanted to be able to support them.
1: That makes sense. And <laughs> No, absolutely. The adductor tear, just, just out of interest, the adductor tear, was that literally a, a, an instructor standing on, was that during that, that forced stretch position? Um, that would be that would be yeah, absolutely so awful. he, if knew- he-
2: So when we're, when you're a rhythmic gymnast, you're so bendy that if a split on the floor does not mean anything to you. You could do that in your split, in your sleep, not in your split. Um, But so what they would do is they would put our feet on the third ladder and we would do first right, then left. And for us, it was, you know, it was our daily training. We were fine with it, but we, the last minute was spent with your arms up and it's that day that lady she was replacing my usual coach and she said you're not you're holding back and she sat <laughs> and you know she, um yeah no let me not get there that gets very personal but i know now yeah. why i talk
1: <laughs> sure <laughs> was, sure yeah, not great. sure no so so obviously interplates traumatic birth and then now you've kind of dedicated your life to helping other people so First yeah. question for well, you more know, the experience yeah. and the, the wisdom you picked up. Someone's had a someone's had a baby, they've had a baby. When can they go back to the gym? What can I do? Where do I start? Over to you.
2: Okay, that's the question I get the most. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And um, my answer is usually twofold. The first thing I say is it's going to depend on your birth experience. But i also warn them that it's not so much when they go back it's how because um we have that six week checkup i'm sure you've heard of um, yes where the doctor clears you but essentially what the doctor says is that your tissues are not infected and that you're good to go and that you can have sex if you wish but it's it doesn't mean you should go for a run it does not we mean you should go to a crossfit class god forbid it it means you're ready to start your recovery and your rehabilitation um so when depends on the birth um a vaginal birth that goes really well it's usually about you know four to six weeks you can start doing some postnatal um, healing movement uh, and some abdominal load when uh, you have a c-section well it depends on how the scar heals so if a scar heals really well, same four to six weeks is when I accept people into a postnatal group. Now, if you have a private client, you can start two weeks into it. If everything is fine, you just have to go very slow, very breath work oriented, you know, like transverse activation. And we're not talking a full blown reformer class or or heavier yeah. or, you know, strength training session. Um, and then if you have what i had with adam you know forceps procedure something that is quite drastic on the body and very hard on the body it's usually longer and that will depend on the woman really but you will intuitively know if you listen to the body that if you've had a forceps at six weeks you're not ready you don't feel ready you know you're hardly walking without discomfort so um so yeah that's what i would say about when depending on the birth um, is now, that clear?
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, and it, during the, the reading and prep for today's conversation, I, I was reading up around the six-week postpartum check. And I just, as a, as a guy, maybe I just, you know, there's a six-week checkup. I had no idea what they should be looking at and what can be discovered during this this checkup. But what I gather from just talking to you here is that it's hit and miss in terms of the quality or the depth of this because what I read was that we should be checking for bleeding, infections, the, the pelvic floor itself. Um, they should be talking about the emotional stability of the mum. They should be talking about contraception because I didn't realize that fertility goes up very oh, quickly. Yeah, so we you, do. you hear about mums that get pregnant very quickly after giving birth. Yes. So there's a lot that should be discussed. This is quite important. This six week postpartum checkup, it strikes me as very important.
2: Um, it's essential it's essential and unfortunately doctors don't have a lot of time some of them don't have a lot of education about the functional aspects of the pelvic floor so very often it boils down to do you know what concept contraceptives you're going to use and um, okay there's no infection do you have pain anywhere can you sit and that's it. I'll, I'll give you my own example. At uh, my my for my second, so my second birth was very long, but it ended well with no injury. Which everyone tried to convince me to have a C-section, but I chose to have uh, to prepare very um, as as much as I could for um, a second vaginal birth that would be more restorative, and it was. But still, you know, I'm, I, I needed that guidance. So I reached my six-week checkup. And my doctor, I was out within six minutes, I think, uh, or maybe eight, I don't know. He's lovely. He's a great obstetrician. But he goes, so he asked me a few questions. He did ask me about my mental health because that had been um, an issue before. And um, when I said, you're not going to check me, because I thought he was going to check me for prolapse, you know, descending organs, Mm. um, and that he was going to check me for diastasis and nothing and when i said aren't you going to check my tummy or my pelvic floor and he said well you know more about the tummy than i do <laughs> which i thought was like i'm still paying for my i don't know a 700 germ consultation but thank you very much <laughs> and mm. that way just like that i was cleared uh, and i don't know if when i ask people they usually sometimes they're checked internally but very they seldom are they checked for diastasis or for their abdominal um. Yeah,
1: health. Yeah, I mean, I would love to if we could perhaps unpack yeah. that that yes, postpartum sure. checkup and let's look at areas uh, of concern possibly, and then maybe how we can you know mm-hmm. rectify that in the rehab process. Um, what I loved what you just said there is you have the six week postpartum checkup and then the rehab happens starts, you know th- yeah. it starts yes it starts and i, I remember what, i did my pre and postnatal training as i had to as a pilates teacher and i always remember on the course that the tutor saying and it struck me she said it takes nine months to have a baby it takes and think of it it taking nine months to actually recover and i always remember that thinking
2: Minimum. wow
1: of course it makes it makes so much yes. sense so um someone's listening to this now, they might be pregnant or they might have just had a baby and they go for their six-week checkup and they checked the pelvic floor function. So what what could we, what issues could be going on? Are there, there are levels and degrees to pelvic floor dysfunction? Yeah. Uh,
2: <clears throat> so that's why I if the doctor has not referred the woman to a women's health physio, if women come into my course, I always ask them have you seen a women's health physio because the limits um for us as instructors are that we can't go in we don't do internal massages or checkups right and that's why we're so dependent on um on the doctors and most of the time you said they're checking pelvic floor function doctors are not they're checking for pelvic floor um challenges such as infections you know sometimes prolapse but they don't really assess asymmetries um for they don't there's an injury called levator and eye abortion that i sustained during adam's birth it's it's so undiagnosed that it's very hard for people to uh, who do research on it to assess whether it's 13 percent of women who have a vaginal birth or 40 that's that's hard because they don't they can't know because it's and, and it's not diagnosed properly <laughs> um mm. so that's one of the things that could be checked for but that's why what women's health physios are good at what they do will check for they're looking to the responsiveness they're looking to the reflexes so some people might be strong in their pelvic floor um a few months after birth and yet have poor reflexes so meaning if they cough or sneeze no matter despite their strength um they won't be able to hold urine for instance um yeah. and so that's why that checkup is so important with a physio as well because they'll go deeper into that analysis of what's going on with your body. And and I remember going to my first women's health physio um, appointment and she had her hands in and she told me to squeeze and I was squeezing. And she told me, no, come on, squeeze. And and I was like, I am. She was like, you're not doing anything. So there's that disconnect sometimes, particularly if there's been some sort of trauma. And you may think you're engaging and you're not. And conversely, you may feel weak but your reflexes might be working so all these nuances are very important yeah, to check yeah. on as a as a teacher as well
1: yeah i um, mean i would never yeah. connected i was i was thinking how would it's just as similar as muscle testing if you were doing muscle testing on the quads or exactly it's, it's the same exactly. I, was, I was trying to get my head around an internal how does that work of course contractual pelvic floor and when you mentioned asymmetry so we're talking that you know there, there's high tone on one side of the pelvic floor. And one side is 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 less. There's less high tone, so the muscles. Yes, there's is less tone,
2: and also less connection. Um, um, there are some sides that are less active, less stone less connection, and injuries as well. An episiotomy, for instance, occurs on one side very often. Before, they used to be in the center, but these days surgeons will tend to cut sideways, which means that one side of your pelvic floor is forever scarred in a different way so there's also that scar tissue that we need to address right because sometimes i don't okay one another anecdote i have a friend who's a coach she's phenomenal she's a proper athlete um uh, she's incredible and i remember seeing her a few months after she had her first and she was saying and i asked her to activate her transverse and i was not going up you know it was going in but it was not there was no full range of that muscle activation, but she'd had a vaginal birth. And I was like, you need to go see a women's health physio because I think you might have some scar tissue that's keeping your arms from moving from that full range because everything's connected. So that's mm-hmm. why we need women's health physios to help us as, um, as instructors. And I do think as instructors, we have that role. When the healthcare professionals um, have not educated a woman enough, you come in and you can be like you know if i were you i would look into this um and and you and that's when you can have the comments about not shitting yourself or or just a sex life you know they come in and say they're fine and then if you dig in and you're like oh because and then you realize there's pain during intercourse there's you know quality of life problems um that don't seem relevant but that can affect marriages that can affect how resentful you are towards your children, it can affect society at large. So I think that's yeah, these are very important things to check for.
1: So there's checking with the pelvic floor and obviously symptoms of this, I mean, we naturally think of, you know, incontinence and the inability to, you know, to to prevent yourself from from wetting yourself. Actually, what I was going to say, when I rewind, because obviously I did my pre and postnatal training. So when I've done in my limited capacity, when I do, and I've done any pelvic floor work, This is the way I described it. And it'd be interesting to get your feedback on this. So I will talk to people about pelvic floor being a muscle and what you talked about, about the the responsiveness. So I I just talk about type one and type two fibers. So you've got Mm. every muscle has those those quick fibers that will respond to, you know, like Mm. coughing or sneezing. And then you've got the type one fibers, oxygenated fibers, which are more attached to endurance-based stuff. So this is why I used to give, and I'm going. To, I'm going to show off my limited. I would. What, what did I? say? Please I, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I would do. I would do the. Yeah, I, I'd sit there with groups of women in the clinic I was working in. We'd all sit on Swiss balls, and I'd be doing the, the quick, like just engage, like quick, quick, quick fire, bang, bang, bang. Switch it on. Switch it off. Uh, fast switch. And then I used to do the elevator. So drawing up and down, and then yeah. talk about going into the basement, and then I used to. I used to think I was very clever, and I will talk about the way. So I talk about front to, and again, I have no idea if I'm just guessing it, yeah. but front to back. So I used to say, I used to say that obviously you've got, this is a whole muscle, it's got a full range, a bit like a bicep that goes for its full range. And so yeah. I tried to think from going from like the back, almost their backside through to the front. Anyway, that, that was my pelvic floor rehab in a nutshell. How did I do?
2: <laughs> no, it's okay. It's great. Uh, and it's more than most women get. So great job. Um, yeah. there's one element that I didn't hear and, mm. um, particularly in active populations, most women. So you wouldn't, w- when you're activating your biceps, you wouldn't stop halfway when you release, right? You would release mm. and a big problem with pelvic floor dysfunction these days in active populations is that women are holding tension. So the, the base, you know, their rest tone is not rest they're halfway you know that elevator they're halfway in halfway out but they're not fully relaxed and what that does is it exhausts already tired out muscles uh on and and that's something that I've been working on with athletic clients I get um even just stressed women or you know these muscles expand so much they're so generous in what they give you you know But then naturally afterwards, they're going to go a bit defensive and a bit tight and a bit. And I think that's why what's so important um, uh, when we start the postnatal recovery are what I call nutritious pelvic movements, you know, like you're moving in and out, you're doing tilts. And it took me years to understand what pelvic tilts were about. And then I had a child and I was like, oh, yes, that's why Then moving and gliding your pelvis to the left and to the right. hopping on, basically what you would call with um, a male population, hip mobility exercises. Yeah, yeah just
1: pelvic girdle, your- pelvic girdle stuff, yeah, have you got, stuff, have you got an active exactly. control. Yeah,
2: yeah. Ah, and I've on, never connected a um, doctor now. Do you know, on people who have had a normal, not too challenging birth, um the, the I won't call them Kegels, but what you describe, you know, the advanced yeah. Kegels you described, sure. what will probably be great and enough. On people like like myself, you know, after a mm. rather challenging birth with injuries or just with the simple episiotomy, because of that scar tissue, because of that trauma, if not to yourself, to the body, there's there's a defensiveness that happens. Yeah, these are very intimate parts. There's been a lot of opening. There's a lot of closing all of a sudden, and it's just, just got to coax these muscles into accepting... A movement and the, the the squeeze particularly the fast twitch the fast activation can be very challenging and also very frustrating because sometimes you can't go fast
1: <laughs> after
2: yeah. after yeah. kids so um so yeah i hope i make sense so that i no, would it, add it, it does to the the functional movement the direct pelvic floor muscle training helps mostly with incontinence but if you have women who have a more complex um, problems like hip pain, pain standing, it's usually through movement and release work that um things are going to get better. So we don't want the muscle, the mu- the pelvic floor muscles, to be tight because eventually it makes, it makes them weak, and yeah. you're going to be in pain.
1: That makes perfect sense. I mean, I, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I think about the analogy of you know chronic lower back pain, the whole. You need to create more intra-abdominal pressure. You need to you need to activate. Actually, all the research suggests people with chronic lower back pain are already guarding around that area. There's yes. already mu- too Absolutely. much tone in the thorax, in the lumbar region. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, I'm not going to blame Pilates, but maybe I'm going to blame the the Q in over the years. I was at a conference. This was a long time ago, actually. This was probably 10 years ago. And it was a conference at the clinic I was working at where the gynecologist there and he came on. And there were some yoga teachers and Pilates teachers, osteopaths, and he walked up onto like the, the platform and the first thing he said, he said, please, please, please stop asking people to engage the pelvic floor. And then a few of us laughed, a few of us yeah. didn't laugh. But he said we had this whole generation of women who have been going to Pilates and have been zipping up Absolutely. and hollowing out and, and, and creating all this tone for years. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, you know, they're trying to release their pelvic floor. But he talked about, he, he related to IBS. He was talking about, you know, he's seeing other stuff. And you mm. mentioned it there. It makes perfect sense. If there's a lot of tone and a lot of tension in that area, that's going to radiate into the pelvis, the lumbar spine, all areas are going to be on guard. So no, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. So athletic population, obviously, if someone is maybe quite sedentary and they have a clear weakness, then you might do the more aggressive yes. stuff. But I, I, that definitely makes perfect sense. Even now I'm rolling my, my pelvis and now I can actually think, well, actually, when I roll to one side, now you're talking about the two you sections, I can feel, I can feel mm. more engagement on the left side when I roll. So yes. thank you for that. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, oh, that,
2: that could come down to your hips as well. And with women there's a huge you know there's a huge connection between the pelvic floor and the deep hip rotators. that's so that's something you could investigate um so we can talk about it you know
1: yeah yeah absolutely now now um as I' was in my preparation reading around stuff about pelvic floor and now uh, there there was a word that that jumped out of the screen at me and it and mm. it, it made me clench up a bit. I'm going to say it's, it's three words anal sphincter injury yes. I mean, okay. I I read that and I went, and I it just yes, it was a uh, wow. I mean, I hadn't even so, contemplated it. It's like, but I, yeah. I was reading around this stuff, and even the 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 word made me literally like I I, I yes, guarded so we, up. Oh my god, hmm. yeah. <laughs> so so that's something I, you've 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 come across, or it's an, it's a common thing. But when I read it, I was thinking, wow, that um, sounds. So, what do you
2: want me to tell you about anal sphincter injuries?
1: Oh, what is it common? <laughs> is it face. common? I know, I know, I know. I listen, to this, and it's good. I've got. It. So, is it common? It ha- does it happen a lot, or is it is it rare? How does it happen? Is it to do with the birth? It is.
2: It is common with instrumental um, births. So, remember <sighs> when I told you the I I've yes. been through four four injuries, pelvic injuries. That was one of them. Wow. Um, and I'm very open about it because um, I think women need need to feel more open about it. You know, if you had an, a, I don't know, um, an ACL tear, men would probably brag about it. Like, oh, they're such good. You know, but we yeah. don't get to talk about stuff because it's an intimate area. Yes. And I remember posting about my follow-up with a colorectal surgeon who's amazing in town. By the way, her name is Dr. Valentina. I remember posting about this and losing quite a few followers that day. You know wow. and I was like oh wow so i am vulnerable about this issue i'm trying to raise awareness and i had one physio message me and be like wow you're amazing um but i did lose uh followers and that's okay that people are not comfortable talking about these things yet but these are very common with uh, with forceps injuries your your chances go up high that's why i'm so anti forceps yeah. And um and something something you need to understand is when I went through that birth with Adam, they they messed up. And so um there were no drugs. I mean, I was not numb. So when you have experienced it, you know what it does to the body. And I think oh. that makes you, re- and but some women are so numb, they don't realize what's been done. So they'll be like, oh, let me squ- deep squat. And it's been six weeks. And you're like, no, you're deep squatting on tissues that are still healing and you're going to have a rectal prolapse and you're going to have and I don't I don't say this to scare women I'm just saying this they don't know and they don't understand the relationship between their fitness routine their fitness routine is there for is there for them to lose weight very often and that's it Mm, but really your fitness routine is should teach you how to regulate intra-abdominal pressure so you don't damage yourself further and we go back to my first comment. So when you're 50, you're not in diapers. Ta-da. Uh, ah, so, absolutely. So it's not that it doesn't happen to women who have C-sections. Of um, course. And it, it, uh, it, yeah, it, it, there has to be a baby going through and very often instruments of are involved. Right. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Now I I'm, I'm learning alone and, and to be fair, I don't think it's a topic that's discussed. It certainly, and I think this is important for men. This For me, this has been a real eye-opener. I haven't got kids myself, but I've got, I've got nieces and nephews. I've got sisters. And yeah. yeah, I don't think we read it. And instruments, and I don't want to get too graphic, but I'm just, I'm understanding. Instruments are common or are they less common? L- like. So
2: um, the vacuum, you know, is which is less damaging to the woman's um, uh, lady parts, uh, but still increases your chances of having more injuries and of the baby having more injuries. Uh, the vacuum is quite common for first time births because it's usually it's just it's harder the first time. There's sometimes there's too much tone. Sometimes there's an inability yeah. to react sometimes it, uh, you know, for many reasons, uh, the forceps is, uh, <laughs> this is going to be political, but, um, I think the forceps should not be authorized. We have C-sections these days. If mm. something is not happening, yeah. or if a baby is posterior, yeah. uh, the cha- chances of that baby coming out through the, the the natural way without you having problems for the rest of your life are, are slim if you push, you know, if you power through. So, uh, and I wish that's what I'd been educated about. You know, I'm very pro-natural. I think birth is the most spiritual moment a woman will ever go through. And I feel sad sometimes when some of my clients don't want to try because they're fearful. Obviously everything we're talking about is not fun. So I'm super pro natural, but I always tell my clients, if it comes down at some point to an intervention that is C-section or an intervention that is called forceps, there is no doubt in your mind because your recovery from a C is a breeze in comparison to your uh, recovery yeah. from a forceps procedure. So um so yeah, I don't know if that answers no, your no. question. No, but, absolutely. Yeah.
1: It would it, I just yeah, I'd read it and the word I just it made me tense up and, yeah. and uh, again I think it's 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 important to discuss this stuff. Um so we're we're back at the checkup. We we're, we're talking about the pelvic floor. So I mean I love what you've just described and our feedback. So basically we we're, we're talking about you know, movement, integration, uh, education around, you know, the, the, the muscles themselves. I mean, should mm. we be avoiding, I know we don't, it's not a postnatal a prenatal conversation, but we should be avoiding, uh, actively contra- like pelvic Contracting. floor work during, yeah, during pregnancy, or does that depend no, on no. the individual? So
2: it, de- it depends on who you're training. If you're training a Pilates instructor who, activates their transverse abdom- abdominis and as a consequence their pelvic floor and their sleep without noticing you want to teach them how to let go
1: right, right? perfect yeah so breath- it's cl- client dependent yeah client dependent. if you have
2: someone who's sedentary never walks since mm. you know ha- already has some leaks but leaks that are not related to tightness then of course you're gonna do more work now in a group class the way i've i, I work this out is i will if i do some activation i'll make sure it's not too close to their delivery date um and if i have a a number of people and obviously everyone is different um i will teach some activation more so they know where these muscles are and so they feel them and so they know how to rehab them later than to make them stronger because through movement and through transverse activation they are making their pelvic floor strong um and I will make sure that we do a lot of ungripping at the end. And that's what, when sometimes the Pilates, you know, obsessed crew <laughs> comes in and is like, well, why am I releasing my tummy? You know, they thought mm. they had to engage their tummy for like an hour. Uh, and I'm like, well, you're releasing it because you want good sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. I see them. No. But it's just, they think they're going to have a flabby tummy. They think they're going to it they don't understand a muscle is meant to activate when necessary and release oh. when necessary
1: it's and the, that's something it's, yeah. a, it's a, for me it, that's what frustrates me a little bit uh, it's getting better, but this 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 whole thing of yeah. you know zip up, hollow out, engage your core. People in gyms doing lat pull downs, drawing their belly button in. It's like you know we want our I, our, our, our torso to be responsive, reactive, and the central nervous system hopefully yeah. you know you're going to pick something yeah. heavy up. There's yeah. a natural bracing that occurs, yeah. And we want to be dynamic and fluid, and the thoracic spine needs to move, and the shoulder girdle needs to move. Well, and... do
2: you know Matt? I do teach them how to zip. Um, because when they're loading and they're pregnant if they're loading without that activation the chances are they're making their separation worse and i'm going to be dealing with them later so i you know i always tell them i have a reputation too to okay. no, but um you know you, you do need to teach them engagement because of the loss of reflex
1: Absolutely, in pre- pregnancy, I agree, but I, I just think there's too much of it in general public. I think we've got too much also, well, popular, population of people much, walking around.
2: Yeah, too much without the, the counter action, you know, you, you do need to engage. And then at the end of it, you need, do need to chill out. It's like asking people, do I need to do sympathetic breathing or parasympathetic, but where, where is your imbalance? Are you very stressed out? Then do a parasympathetic. I recently went to a breathwork event. It was all sympathetic. I didn't sleep the night after. I'm not joking. I fell asleep at 5 a.m. because I don't need it. I'm stressed enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> if I'm going to deal with my trauma, I want to chill out. But yeah. some people lack that drive. They lack motivation. And then in mm. the morning at 8 a.m., let's go. Stomach pumps, stomach pumps. So I think with the way we train muscles should be similar. We should train people based on what they need. Again, movement is therapy, breathwork is therapy, it, there's not a one-size-fits-all um,
1: It's a really situation. interesting, yeah, and I agree, I, I, what I've noticed, particularly living here in Dubai, so we we spend a lot of time uh, on the beach and in the pools and, and with our tops off, a little bit more than we would, say, yes. you know, back home during the winter. And you see it. You see this. Uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. Of there's, there's, you know, you, you watch a small child walking around, a toddler. You've got a nice distended belly. It just, you know, it's just there. The diaphragm just drops, and it's just, and and you see it a lot, particularly in our fitness space. And this is both where my echo chamber is. I, I live in, in the fitness community, and I teach fitness courses. And there's just you just see it everywhere. This over recruitment. People wondering why they're hmm. living in a sympathetic state it was well because they can't breathe efficiently. There's no space for diaphragm to drop. they're all accessory strap muscles, and I see it a lot um okay, so I'm conscious of the time I so we, we've got public floor ways that we can we can work, and it's not just about it's about letting go as much as engaging yeah um and this we'll go back to the checkup so i mean infections, the doctors checking for infections, we're checking for bleeding we have a chat about contraception. we say it might be worthwhile using a bit of contraception for a while because you're likely to get pregnant again which you might not want to at this stage yes um and then and then they're they're out the doctors and then they're embarking on okay i want i want to get in shape they're six weeks Mm in let's go from there what 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 might we be avoiding what should we be doing how should the landscape unfold
2: um so until you've rehabbed the way you control your intra-abdominal pressure so until your brain can sort of do it on its own, or your belly can do it on its own and your pelvic floor can do it on its own, you've got to be cautious. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything else other than Pilates and postnatal yoga, but it does mean that you need to work with specialists. So if you're going to start loading a bit more at the gym, I would always start with body weight, then slowly add weight because you want to notice if someone is able to maintain their breathing and their exhalation through an exercise so for me uh, when people are gym bunnies what i say is if you have to hold your breath to perform something um you're not ready for that weight and that's why um um you know going back to that athlete friend of mine who is capable of lifting crazy things but um she was obviously more at risk of incontinence and prolapses because that's one of the techniques right to to lift more you hold your breath but to Absolutely. me that's usually a sign in terms of functionality i'm talking mm. functionality no judgment not performance performance do what you can you know um but when we're talking about functionality and someone who has a more regular lifestyle um i would say if you need to hold your breath or if you feel pressure downwards or if you feel like you can't lift the belly in and up because most people brace you know and if you mm. can't get that movement up and that support and that protection for your organs, you're not ready. Um, and so that's why I like to do the rehab courses because they're educational. Because I, a lot of them go back to their teacher, to their trainers, and I love that. I love that I'm a bridge, but they'll have my voice in here. <laughs> and they'll be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't be doing that teaser or that boat pose. You know, maybe my belly's out and it means something. Um, so yeah, so they start with rehab like exercises to learn and to kind of brainwash themselves <laughs> into activating properly regulating pressure well. And eventually they can go increase in range, increase in load and increase in pace. Running not before three or four months unless you're a unicorn, sometimes later, depending on your path. Um, research is so clear on, on running. so um and same with high impact speed the less control you have yeah the slower you need to resume and I would say if you go back to running and you felt very good go to your women's health physio just have it checked because again maybe what you're feeling is not what's happening down there so yeah that's that's the path slow progressive the way you would with a beginner except you have these absent reflexes to worry about as well
1: so um just for my understanding if i was looking at that lack of control so someone's having to breath hold so if they if they're breathing and the distended belly is going to be a sign of lack of that ability to uh, create enough intra-abdominal pressure and maybe i know alignment's a bit of a a a word that's floated around there is alignment important is it not But, you know, can someone maintain stability through the spine? So there'll be, so form would be an indicator of a lack of stability, spinal stability, distended belly would be something you're looking at um, and and build out. So the running situation is obviously pelvic floor is a factor. Is joint laxity an issue? So is that where, Okay
2: so not just joint um the laxity of your connective tissue so a lot of women who have c-sections and if you talk to runners or to some female athletes you know that they choose a c-section because they're concerned about their performance and honestly i understand if you're a runner if you're a serious runner a c-section might protect you more to some to some extent um but they are so the research was done in 2019 it's the most thorough research to date on running postpartum it was done by miss um donnelly and her peers and what they found out is that not only is your you know your levator and i this pelvic floor muscle white the the gap between the two sides of that muscle um bigger and wider until easily four or five months um, and for most of us, it, it will remain wider for the rest of our lives. We can just Absolutely. tone these muscles. So there's less space in the middle, if that makes sure. sense. But even the, the, the tensile, um, you know, how tensile your abdominal fascia is, um, progresses. You need to reach six or seven months postpartum to be at roughly 80% of your tensile um, capacity, you know, in that, in that abdominal fascia meaning think of it as a stringum you you, you have a you know a supple tringum and then you have the the that can pop you know yeah, um, yeah. and so when you're early postpartum your abs when you're running they, they're just under a lot of pressure as well and mm. if it's distended these tissues are still distended and don't have their same uh, tensile capacity uh, capacities yeah. then you're still at risk so they have amazing figures about this and that's why they recommend that running starts at three or four months postpartum provided the rehab is going well six months if you're running with a buggy minimum because i suspect if you're running with a buggy you're using your obliques a lot and meaning if your transverse is not active you're pulling on your midline but that's very technical but all this to say yeah no no that makes sense
1: (laughs) That's super know, useful. Because, super useful. Yeah. And if it's tug- tugging on the midline, is that going to impact on diastasis recti? That that yeah, the midline that so you, it, the Yeah, midline yeah.
2: Is, um, is the connective tissue um, between your six pack muscles?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: that's the tissue that not just you know it it doesn't just overstretch; it thins out. Yeah. So again, back to my twingum. Um and that tissue took, so over the last five months of pregnancy, you'll reach anywhere between five and 15 centimeters longer for that linear,
1: that's what it's called longer, not just, you know, the width. Of but course, I'm now crazy. thinking well, if you, if Babby's there, you see the belly. Of course, it has yeah. to five yeah. to fifteen centimeters, and with the joint laxity, yeah. is that in, that's impacting ligaments and tendons in the lower limb as well? So we've got you know absolutely yeah, LCL, yeah, MCL around yeah, the knee. Yeah, knee stability. Yeah. Okay, so four to six. So we're talking really six months, running if the rehab's going well. well. It,
2: again it depends yeah it's a case specific thing like again with a bad birth it's a lot longer mm. sometimes it's not really worth running again but with a, with someone who's going through a normal recovery i would say yeah for six months you know what's the rush you're going to run for the rest of your life just don't mm. mess yeah, it up now because the number the number of pt i i inherit from <laughs> who, because they lacked that humility that we talked about, and we're, all, we're both athletes, so we've been there. You know, I thought I was going to have the best birth because I'm such an athlete, and I'm mm. going to be back, and I'm going to be running with my husband two months postpartum, and then I had that birth. And it was a great lesson in some way. But, you know, we all think of, we're more competent, competent or more performant, particularly as athletes. Um, and I think it's very important to remember that it's so worth investing in these few months and then for the rest of your life, you can do whatever you want, as opposed to getting, I'm getting all these people who have a prolapse stage three. And at that stage, I can't do anything. They're going to have to have surgery and surgeries are not a miracle. You know, the, 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 the muscular imbalances that led you to have surgery or the lack of ligament strength is going to be a problem for a long time. So if we can be a bit patient in the beginning, then we go back to running and we're, we're happy. the rest of our lives and we have a client she's running triathlons now and she's and she's doing triathlons she's incredible but she was patient in the beginning
1: yeah and i think it all ties into you know even the educational stuff that you're doing you know giving these women an understanding of the connection to the muscle itself and then they go into their classes the psychological benefits because we often forget that you know if someone has rehabbed that they're doing the rehab like we talk about nocebic effects of language and the effects of placebo. So a belief that yes. you're doing the right stuff gives you the confidence. Absolutely. Whereas, you know, if you're concerned and you've had to add surgery, it's a bit like, you know, the whole, I yeah. had a disc bulge, disc bulge six years ago and I still own that disc bulge in every class I walk in. It's that same chronic yes. hangover psychologically that can, that can occur.
2: Absolutely. The sense of agency is very mm. important. The empowerment, and I also think the postnatal space is such a, the postnatal classes are a community opportunity, you know, an opportunity to to meet people to realize, oh, they're doing these slow exercises and they look fit. Maybe I can, you know, um, and I think I played that card, you know, I, I recover externally after Adam, I looked very fit. I was not, I was a mess, but I played that card. I was like, listen, I I I look decent and I'm doing, I'm taking these steps. So because aesthetics are a big component of the, you know, the the psychological aspect, we can't deny it. You know, people who are like, oh yeah, I love you. I love my tummy because it's giving me babies. Yeah, but society is still telling you that you should be a certain way. And we're all exposed to that message. So we are not lie. No.
1: No, I, I, I live in the fitness community. Body dysmorphia, and I, you know, when someone says to me, it's "Huge you know, aesthetics is not important," it's like, "Of course it is." If it, it's an extreme it end, then it's impacting your life. But we want to look a certain way. It feeds into our self-esteem and our confidence. That, in, that feeds into how I interact it with does. the world, my yeah. relationship with my partner, my colleagues. It, it all filters in. So it's it's really important yes. if you are if you look a certain way for to look the way that you looked. Prior right, to pregnancy, you know, or as close to as possible, yes, and feeling yeah. comfortable. Um, to
2: feel like you're yourself, you you yes. look like yourself. What you know, 100%. and that doesn't it doesn't matter what that looks like. But you yes. need to feel like you're you, and that's very
1: important postnatally. I agree, I agree, and also you know when we we look at, you know, postnatal depression, which is more common than we think, and and whether or not it's even postnatal depression, a woman feeling down because of the way she looks, it's all up here. We know that the psychological benefits of exercise i mean it's like the low-hanging fruit the fitness industry has forgotten about this the cognitive and mental health benefits of activity whatever that is are just unbelievable unbelievable but we seem to have forgotten it so getting people moving safely in whatever capacity is going to be beneficial up here and people make better decisions around you know food and all the other stuff that's tied in with nutrition Nutrition. Um, um. I wanted to uh, because we were talking about the midline and obviously the separation, uh, yeah, diastasis yeah. recti, and how how that would be checked at the at the initial appointment, and then what women should be considering moving forward.
2: So, um, if you ask me in research, uh, the the easiest way and the most um, how to explain this? Uh, if you want to get a good sense of what's going on with someone's midline, the, an ultrasound is the best way to go, um, and that's usually with some women's health physios. Not all of them are trained. Um, we as fitness instructors, the, the more experience you have, the less you have to dig into the tummy to kind of see, and but you can touch. There's a test that we've all learned um the one thing i would tell instructors not to do please because i see it all the time is to go very deep oh i'm trying to tense to test the muscle tone you do not have to make someone very uncomfortable to feel what's going on um but the ultrasound is the golden standard in my view and um because it gives you centimeters because your fingers my fingers are not the same <laughs> so if i test the same person we're not going to get the same results right such, such um, good also point it's um it's not just the finger size but it's also like finding that rectus abdominis sometimes if it's a straightforward case it's easy but if it's someone who's a bit on on the heavier side sometimes you can't always differentiate things because that's not your training you know Uh, even some physios struggle to do that so um definitely not diagnosing people i once made a mistake because it looked like someone had a hernia and i i scared her and i I felt so bad it was like that my one mistake (laughs) with diastasis but she was so slim that it looked like the tissues had torn because you could see her bowels and it was just that her tissues were thin and luckily she had no hernia but that's why i sent her to the physio because i was like i want to know and think i mean goodness in that case it was not the case but very often you look fine and you potentially have a hernia you don't know about um Mm. so yeah that must that that connective tissue it can quite easily tear And that gap, what people don't realize can get worse after pregnancy. So it can get worse within that first year postpartum. If you train the wrong way, if you train too quick with too much intra, you're not regulating intra-abdominal pressure. So it's very important to learn again, that regulation to, to keep your practice safe, you know, and to avoid, particularly if you haven't had problems so far, why would you create them now? You know, you're out of the, you know, you've had your birth. You're almost yeah. out of the out of the woods. Like, just hang on for a few more months. and I mean, you'll be okay.
1: I understand why the uh, uninformed individual might, because they they look at that. Yes. It's the, the whole spot-reduced aspect with weight loss. You know, they will target the area. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd love to get your view on this because there's been a lot of, as you know, in the world of social media, there are there are things thrown around to attract attention and controversial. Comments are thrown around, and one that I've recently come across, which has caused some um, debate in the space, is the whole "there's no problem Crunch. reflection." Yes, oh, so yeah. I wonder what what your views on that would be because it seems to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, That'd know, be super, super interesting. Okay, too. Listen, Yeah,
2: there's some. It's someone I want to interview when I launched a podcast because I think he's doing a great job. I think we're talking about the same research. Mm. He's doing a great job. I at, at removing fear from the equation and telling people. Telling women for your health, you need to move it, but the recently, what I told him is, I think we can do a good job at both, keeping people moving and yet protecting their vaginas, because he was saying, does one part of your body need so much attention that you you, sh- you shouldn't load otherwise, so in terms of the flexion, which was your question, I think what he, the these researchers are saying is that when they curl up, when you curl up the the interrectile distance so the distance between your two the two sides of your six packs reduces which is true in roughly 80 percent of people it does not mean that training it that way is closing the gap does that make sense yeah. so it means that when you're testing clients it's a sign that there are good reflexes when you lift up and things close that's what should happen when it doesn't there's a lack of is you can tell that the core is completely deconditioned right very often but it does not mean that the response to that that's a test it does not mean that's how you close so the the if you look at the rest of the body matt when you train someone who's had a tendon injury what do you strengthen
1: well, you strengthen i strengthen
2: some mu- tell me tell me well Let's no i mean for, for
1: me it's it's load dependent obviously uh load increases Absolutely. over time when you get to a certain level we we would do eccentric work so we'd, we'd load the tendons yeah. essentially or isometric stuff is quite useful okay so you're
2: to. loading the muscles around mm. right
1: mm. you're
2: loading the and in the case of the so it's an aponeurosis in the middle right but if you look at it as if it were a tendon what helps a tendon get thicker, because we don't want it to tear, remember, or stronger, and what helps that gap close is transverse activation, purposeful transverse activation, because that's a muscle that can be loaded eccentrically through breath and and concentrically through activation um, to help turn that tendon. And so we're talking we're talking
1: of, exhalation here. I'm just get, trying to get it in my head. We're talking exhalation uh is the is the concentric phase of the transversus
2: so pretty much so when you're loading your on your inhale if you look at it it could be considered eccentric load because
1: yeah i am thinking tennis, yeah yeah, right? yeah 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 the, right? the transversus so is, of course is uh... it's
2: it's a natural way of loading mm. because you're breathing anyway um yeah. unless like you said people are holding the tummy in all the time and then the that's why pilates is, can if applied Well, can be so helpful because if you're activating and engaging upwards, you're getting that full contraction. And then you take another inhale and you breathe laterally and you keep that activation, then you're going against. You close the gap. But I understand why people want to believe that a crunch is Mm. helpful Um, because the test, it's a way of testing how conditioned the core is. But however, that. when you load the tendon and the six pack, remember what we said about that—that mm-hmm. that six pack having extended over the months. Do you yes. think it's going to be of beneficial course. to force it into when it's overstretched?
1: Yeah, do you Load absolutely. a muscle
2: that's overstretched.
1: So would, would you extent? would you you address it? I'm thinking now just into obviously you've got your attachments at yeah. the pubic, you know, pubic symphysis and the sternum, pubic bone sternum tendon attachments. So would you would you strengthen as you would in a muscle in different ranges? So let's say I was in a plank position and I'm isometrically yeah. loaded or I'm on a reformer and I'm on a carriage and I'm moving in and out and there is some subtle uh, eccentric lengthening going on of the abdominals. Is okay. that a useful strategy? I'm just wondering what the best approach might be. I, when I, when I did wondering. my training years ago, I wrapped, I don't know if this yeah. is relevant, it's very old school. I was taught when they do a curl up, I remember my teacher, get a towel wrap the towel, I always thought it was a bit weird, wrap the towel, I and mean, honestly, that's what I was talking about course. and then you wrap, and then that's when you do your curl ups. It never, okay, it never sat we... right with me, to... <laughs> This can was I a long you... time ago. This was 15 years ago.
2: No, yeah, but so, it's it. still taught How oh, is company. it? Oh, I Pilates don't. Oh, I... classes, do you go to, maybe not the towel thing, but the imprint. How many people still cue imprint when they make have people do footwork? I mean, I'm like, do you understand anatomy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like, what is, and people will come into my prenatal class and be like, oh, well, well, but my teacher taught me this. I was like, I'm really sorry, but unless, and again, unless you want to pee yourself, this is not the right strategy, (laughs) trust Mm. me on this, but you know, it's, um, that, that extra flexion, what does it create more pressure, more bracing, more upper abs gripping more more pressure downwards at a time your pelvic floor is trying
1: to that That, that makes sense to me reduce the space increase (laughs) intra-abdominal pressure push further out so so what would you say would be with someone who has diastasis recti and there's a there's a there's a visible gap what would be a a simple strategy what would be a process you would follow to rehab that situation
2: process is reconnection so with the, without load, then you start loading with one leg, head down, or maybe Go in check. quadruped checking, always checking that the transverse is supportive of the efforts. Um, and then slowly, I always start to reintroduce flexion through lumbar flexion because they can see. And because from experience, most women will struggle less in lumbar flexion, you know, like instead of a half roll mm. down going into yeah. maybe a third of a roll down. And, you know, with a lengthened thoracic spine, just rolling off the sub bones and getting that activation and staying there, maybe playing with the ball there or, and then slowly um, what I call honest curl ups, not sit ups, curl ups, you know, like, can you stay neutral in your lumbar spine and lift your head and chest up until, until when you lift things go in on their own until these reflexes are back and then, then you don't need me then. you're you're out, you you can do whatever you want because your body is doing it on its own. And you know something that's really interesting, Matt, is that sadly, this does not happen just to moms. It happens to people who slouch a lot. Their transverse stops working reflexively. That's been my experience. So that's why we have to cue it in classes because they lift their head and chest up, everything's out. Well, intuitively, your body should do the work, but it's not doing it right if i throw a ball at you your transfers and your everything should connect before you catch it right or if you throw it it should connect just before you throw it it's reflexive but that's not the case anymore and with moms it's like times,
0: yeah, times of course, oh, of course. So, i mean um,
1: I, I i certainly i'm certainly not a, i'm not a, i think there's a in in the general population my experience i definitely think there's a there's an over emphasis on this and in many situations it causes overguarding and it, causes, it can cause pain but certainly with this population it makes perfect sense so really the answer is it is educated depends gradu- gradual yeah. in the air yeah, and on the individual but it's, it's just it's like any rehabilitation what's rehabilitation graded exercise so it's graded education and exercise increased load Absolutely. gradually body adapts and repairs amazing in, in you know things we
2: don't think about like single leg work is core rehab like, but it can't be what you start with because you're going to trigger pain and there, there's not enough stability in the pelvis mm. in the beginning. But if you've trained mm. them and repeated and activated and activated and strengthened and worked on the reflex and played games, then you can put them on one foot and you're rehabbing their core still and it's becoming more functional. So we take it from a very deconditioned core into a functional one so they can do whatever they want. That's the goal. And
1: that's uh, one of my questions actually was going to be around, you know, unilateral work I'm familiar, unilateral works probably not the best approach during pregnancy. And would that be the same with, with again, post-pregnancy? So, you know, postpartum pelvic girdle pain, I've read this quite common. So we would avoid, we would avoid single leg work lunges, anything where we, you know, we are loading possibly one side of the, the trunk or one side hmm. of the pelvis more than the other.
2: Well, it depends during pregnancy again if there's good activation and strong glutes medius so you work the glutes medius accordingly i do some unilateral stuff on the reformer. i do the typical but i i am painful about hip alignment then because uh, particularly with sacroiliac dysfunction um, mm. on the contrary doing that work is helpful um, to strengthen the glutes medius to target the glutes and to get more stability but you need to gouge it and see is it gonna support the woman or is she so unstable in her pelvis that it's gonna trigger more pain um so it depends on the case again again but i do i do unilateral stuff um with pregnancy more than postpartum because postpartum Ah. the pelvic floor is is weakened and the the obturator can be a bit cranky so standing can be a bit more a bit we don't want to create more tightness again so gotcha. but that's that's a very personal way of looking at it.
1: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you. I'm I'm learning so much from this conversation. Um breastfeeding. No, I'm glad. Because breastfeeding obviously is a big part, not for every every female, but um I've read a few things around intensity and lactate, lactic acid buildup, the taste of milk. Is it true? Is it, what's going on? What's your views on the whole breastfeeding? And... I've
2: never tased, tasted my own milk to check if, it was, if there was too much lactic acid know, where, in it. where is this coming uh, from, this
1: research? Some fellas go and get a taste. Yeah
2: i assume it might affect the acidity maybe of the taste. I'm not sure if that's, I I haven't seen research on it. I I have to admit, Um, and it might just be me not being educated enough on the topic. What I'm mostly um, conscious of with people who are still breastfeeding is the joint laxity um, and uh, the midline um, and even the aesthetics of the belly it takes more time it it usually takes until a woman stops breastfeeding completely or um, at least until she's down to one feed a day and the baby's like you know but if you have someone who's breastfeeding still a lot at six months postpartum they're not recovering in the same way than someone who stopped at three months postpartum because they're still full of of hormones um
0: okay it's not
2: studied nearly enough um yeah i hope there will be more over the next few years but what i've noticed is unless they've stopped breastfeeding completely um i don't treat them even if everything else is like a green green light you know uh, i'll be very mindful because it can affect joint stability it can affect their connective tissue is more at risk basically
1: thank you for that that makes that makes perfect sense now, in terms of obviously strength training, you know we were talking about the the you know single leg loading and run running joint laxity. Yeah. if a female you know wants to go and strength train what are your views on you know I was thinking something like okay the you know the 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 strength around the knee joint okay, so yeah. I could sit on a leg extension machine and I could you know I could flex and extend my my knee joint I could do quad work, I could do maybe some light leg press probably wouldn't be but but someone could go back to the gym if they're in a supported environment a bit of shoulder press but again is it going to be about the intra-abdominal control really is going to be the key yes
2: absolutely absolutely right. if if there's control I would say starting with bilateral always because of the reason because of what you mentioned because of the pelvic, particularly if there's a history of pelvic um, pelvic girdle pain you know sacroiliac mm. dysfunction um symphysis pubis um uh, problems. In that case, I'd be very careful with you know both legs, or even if you're doing bo- uh, double leg um, raises. But t- again, remember the pelvic floor is connected with your deep hip rotators, which are connected with your leg um, muscles. So you do want to be mindful if there's a weak pelvic floor or if there's a tight pelvic floor that it doesn't create spasm in there. Um, that's unusual, but not uncommon <laughs> you know? so um if there's if the rehab is not finished particularly after challenging birth, i'd be mindful about about leg raises because everything is connected so you're not you know you yeah. you think you particularly spasms spasms in your pelvic floor are really not fun to experience um they're not orgasms <laughs> it's very different it's like a muscle spasm you know when you wake up yeah. at night with your yeah. with that calf pain well that's mm. it inside your pelvis so you don't want to have that um and that's why you need to load progressively but if you're doing it progressively with a, a conscious trainer i don't see any reason i think you should load as a as a new mother just take it bilaterally first check the breathing and check the range of motion in your squats you, gotcha. Because of that gap, we that um,
0: mm.
2: genital hiatus that we talked about earlier, that's yeah. still wider for a while, yeah. you don't want to go too low too quick.
1: That's it. Amazing. Amazing. And obviously, cardiovascular activities, I mean, I'm thinking, obviously, impact of running might be a bit too much, but let's say someone wants to get on a cruise trainer where there's less impact going through. Would that be a, if someone just wants to get some cardio in, they just want to get moving? Obviously, walking is going to be a, a massive go-to. We should all be walking. Um, Absolutely, no yeah. issues with that. And I suppose as well, just you know, trying to decent nutrition. I mean, we we talk about the psychological effects of a traumatic birth or yes. just the change in life circumstance in body shape. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of research out there suggests that that nutritious food is good for our brain and mental health. So, so I
2: I want to get something clear. Um, Every, all the guidelines I'm, I'm providing today are based, are called guidelines, right? It's uh, what's optimal. If someone mm. is not doing well mentally, uh, it's, it's more important to be well mentally and to have to fix a little bit of physical damage later than the other way, the, the other way around, in my view. My sister had a, a C-section for her first because her baby was breached. And we were all there to help. And she really damaged her scar because she was picking up dishes, doing going up and down the stairs, even though she was in pain. She didn't rest the way she had been recommended to. But she told me later it was that or depression. And and she chose, you know, and so she has a horrible scar now. And we've worked on her scar and um she had a V back after that went really well. But it was, you know, there's, it's your life. What I'm putting out there is information, but what is more important to you? Personally, my mental health with, will always take precedence over you know anything else. So I'm not judging women who go back because they're like, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> you know, I haven't slept in three days and I need to go for a long walk and maybe a little run. Um, that's not a judgment. That's what I wanted to make clear. And so in terms of cardio, um, the problem with the cross trainer is the obliques course, being a bit yeah. overused. So again, we're going back to that tensile, you know, capacity of of your abdominal fascia, but, um, but it depends again, as soon as your rehab, you're a bit more comfortable, you've done your rehab, why not just take it slowly, progressively. And why not? One thing I see is rowing. So women will row, but you know, you use your six pack a lot. So again, be mindful, maybe not the first thing to jump up. That's why walking is so great. That's why um, breaststroking is recommended. That's, you know, because yeah. no impact and less rotation that is not controlled. Does that make sense?
1: Well, uh, yeah, um, I mean, the row, I'm just thinking of the concept of row now, the, the intra abdominal pressure goes up a huge amount. You, obviously, you're driving through the legs. So that pull, that pull, you have to stabilize yeah. against that pull. So yeah. sort of swimming, um, you know, walking, movement, prioritizing sleep. But I, I, I absolutely love the fact that you, you, you put that in there because obviously we're not saying don't do stuff it's like priority no, is-
2: we're saying know what the the risks and benefits um and what bothers me is when it's offered in postnatal classes you know i've seen these postnatal classes where you know they're offering rowing two three the ladies are two or three months i had clients come back to me and say oh they offered me a teaser and i know that client is not ready for a teaser and to be fair even non-moms sometimes are not ready for a teaser you do need a lot of abdominal strength to perform a teaser so it's it annoys me when it's offered by supposedly postnatal specialists but a, a mom who decides to do it because today she needs to and she's informed and she knows and it, you weigh your own risks and benefits you know in this life I, I just want to put the information out there um not the police you do what you want
1: <laughs> no i love that and i think that that's a perfect way to kind of to wrap up the whole conversation. is like, it, it, there's lots we can do, there's lots to consider. But I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of women who are doing, they literally are having the child and they're going back to life and they're struggling and they're trying to do the right yes. thing. And 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 this is why I think it's just, it's wonderful we have people like you in the world who are dedicating the time to this stuff, understanding this stuff, and fundamentally educating and empowering women. You know so they can move mm. forward because, like you say it's about it's about being fit and healthy for the remainder of your life listen um
2: yeah, women hold families together they they raise I'm not saying men are not involved in raising children. I have a fantastic husband in this respect, but we are the glue, so if we fall apart, it all falls apart, and we both know the impact early childhood experiences can can have on your future life and so on society at large. so to me, if mums are Held and supported adequately, so they feel empowered and um and and strong, faster and longer. Well, I've done my job well.
1: Love that. Now, in terms of someone listening to this podcast and they think, do you know what? I would really like to connect with uh, Marianne. Just tell us a bit more about how people can connect with you, what you offer, workshops. I know there's a lot of educational stuff you offer. Is there online versions, recorded versions? Over to you.
2: Yeah. So I do offer quite a few things, but I have a, a monthly postnatal program that I recommend for new mothers to join because it's that rehab that we've been talking about. It's community-oriented and hopefully very supportive in environment. I run birth prep workshops. The next one is on the 3rd of March, but I don't know if you'll have published by them, but anyway, I run it three times um, a year it's at Yoga La I teach prenatal classes on the reformer at Yoga La and in my home studio. And I'm hosting my first Pilates reformer and wellness retreat this May. So if you're okay Easy. and you feel you need a break from your partner and children. Is, this in, is this in Dubai? No, it's in Cyprus. So oh, it's in it Cyprus, does require, right. yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. right, it just someone asked me a class um, this morning, a mat work class I taught. If if, so there, there's a gap, so there's women in Dubai looking for Pilates healthy food in Dubai. So yeah, ah, okay. but well, this, but yeah, this, this retreat this retreat's well. in Cyprus. We'll we'll put everything in the show notes. And um online stuff, pre recorded stuff. I think I saw some so of that.
2: online stuff. I have a pre recorded uh prenatal um program with weekly classes for you to follow. And I'm very pregnant with Julian in this programme. It was during COVID. So the quality Amazing. of videos is what it is. But um it's been very helpful for the mums who are no longer in Dubai and want to 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 get a little bit of the magic that i try to install in prenatal classes and then there's um an early days video pack that i've created with two of my friends ali and sarah who are wonderful yoga teachers with a mix of core activation stretches yoga mobility but very very light for the women who are not cleared yet but who want to get moving and have maybe 10 or 15 minutes for themselves and that's all online
1: uh, Marianne I've, I've taken up more than your time but it's it's been incredible oh, I've learned so a stack glad. of stuff uh, I'm so glad there are people like you out there and um, yeah I look forward
0: thank
1: to And there will be a podcast soon you've got your own podcast there's going yes, to be even more information for it. people like me I'm looking forward to that because I'm just going to hop yeah. on and digest it and obviously be a more <laughs> more informed male which we need anyway Marianne thank you so much for your time have a great day thank you
2: thank you so much Matt bye